This is In The Fight, a Section 247 show presentation. Follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at In The Fight Show. On Facebook at Facebook.com slash In The Fight Show. Welcome to a special main event edition of In The Fight. I am Michael Lipinski. I am joined, as always, by Brett Halpern. And down here in the bottom in the three-man picture here, we have beautiful Bob Maloney from MyMMANews.com. Bob, I got to ask, beautiful Bob Maloney. Is it like beautiful Bobby Eaton? How did you get this nickname? That is Eric Kowal. That's, uh, that's my man at MyMMANews.com. Eric, you know, once I when I started with Eric uh, on the website about, you know, six or seven years ago and I started writing and he created a profile for me and I clicked on for the first time to see my profile and he gave me that nickname, Beautiful Bob Maloney. So I, I'm, I had nothing to do with it. He said it was better than cue ball Bob Maloney. So <laughs> Eric, who is listen, Eric is uh, he, he's opened many doors for me. He's a he's a he's a big time insider in the in the media world with his with our website my mma news and uh, uh he's a good friend of mine and he's he's the one that i owe the the uh, nickname to that's a, that's really a, you know that's a good sign when someone starts out that strong by giving you a nickname like that though it, you know yeah, it wants yeah. to make you feel like right at home like <laughs> oh, I, i'm beautiful this is great yeah, listen, my my close friends, you know, they they you know they they call me that as you know, busting my stones. It's all good. It's it's all in fun. Listen, this sport is uh is a grind for the fighters, but we try to have fun with it. So, you yeah. know, my my job is to you know help the fighters have some fun and the fans have some fun. So it's all in good fun, like I said. And that Absolutely. that's the great thing about it. We got back into this. We, a couple episodes ago, we did our Roots of Fight and how we got into this, watching Pride and going back to the Ultimate Fighter, really, because we were wrestling guys growing up, professional wrestling guys. And it just is a fun sport. It's it's fun, especially what's good with everything that's going on now. We have the ability to watch live sports on a regular basis. It is a good time. Yeah, and listen, what Dana White has done, I mean, I think he should win Sportsman of the Year for what he's done for being able to bring the UFC and have fights as the first sport through the pandemic. I mean, he basically set the standard with the bubble and he also did something that they haven't done in the past. And they had a lot of fighters on ready to weigh in if they lost somebody to test a positive to COVID. So you didn't have fighters that were losing fights. He had replacements were there. So, you know, MMA has been crucial to, Getting, getting to people that need sports through this pandemic because people have been so starving. Now we have, you know, the, the, the team sports back. But before that, we went a few months with nothing. And uh, thankfully, you know, the UFC and Dana White. And listen, it, it, they're they're killing it right now. I know he's happy financially with what, what with what they're doing. And they're doing that without fans in the stands with no gate. So, you yeah. know, they're streaming and they're, you know, they just signed a big contract with Venom. I mean, MMA is is growing stronger and stronger and, and it's doing well. And it's, listen, regionally where is my bread and butter, you know, it's hurting right now, but I'm sure we're going to talk about that, but uh, you know, it, it's going to get back. There's a lot of people that love the sport and a lot of people that love to train the sport and there's a lot of fans. So hopefully, you know, sooner rather than later, those guys get back to fighting. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey Bob, well, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Mike. Qu a quick question, Bob. Do you think 
that with the UFC coming back as they did and being really the only show in town for, you know, the past few months, do you think that they have sort of converted a lot of uh, you know, sports fans who prior to that weren't into the MM, weren't into MMA or UFC? I do. I do think they have brought in even more new fans, and, and, and there's several reasons. Now, you know, guys love women. And you're seeing more and more women fights yeah. and and, pers- and personality. I mean, you go on social media, you're seeing these UFC fighters and, you know, they have all these followers. And like I said, and 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 how many events are they having? It's not like, like, listen, when I first started following MMA, you couldn't wait for that one pay-per-view per month the UFC yep. was having. You yeah. couldn't wait for it. And for a while, I thought it was too flooded because they were having so many events, but they're giving a lot more young fighters opportunities. And listen, when you bring in a regional fighter, you're bringing in his fans too. So if you have guys from Philly or Jersey, maybe they didn't watch the UFC all the time, but now they're friends of the regional guy. Now they're going to the UFC. I think, I think they have, I thought they've, they've grown. And I know that I know that they're, they're happy with their ratings. And I think they have brought in a lot more new fans, younger fans, women, and they're doing a great job. They really are. I mean, they're, 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 you know, kicking ass right now. And now yeah. you see the other, other promotions now, Hopping on board, you've seen Bellator had an event. You're seeing uh, some regional uh, shows have have events, and the way they're able to do that is they have a good streaming deal. You're seeing UFC Fight Pass help CFFC, who's having a couple shows this week, because you know they want programming and. You don't have to make – listen, it's, regionally it's so hard to make money, with, especially without ticket sales. It's, it's really a difficult I – mean, promoters don't want to lose money. Don't, nobody goes into business and wants to lose money, which is why ticket sales are always so important. But then when you have the streaming now that it's become more and more popular, you're able to have shows now and make some income from the streaming revenue without fans, which is why they're able to do it. I mean, there's still a lot of fighters who are getting left in the dark, like amateur fighters who have to build up. I mean, you don't just pop on to shows like Ring of Combat, Art of War, Cage Fighting, who I work for, UFC. You have to work your way up. And they're the people who right now who are really been left in the dust because there's no amateur fights. I mean, you have to fight five, six, seven, eight amateur fights before you start fighting a couple pro fights before you even have an opportunity, you know, to get on a bigger show like that. Look, let's talk about that real quick. Uh, the the local MMA, we had Sean Teed, heavyweight champion of Cage Fury Fighting Championships on with us last week. A couple weeks ago, we had Ring of Combat's Lenny Rufati. He's heard, he wants to fight really, really bad right now. Cage Fury Fighting Championships is getting ready to kick off from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia. You mentioned the streaming deal on UFC Fight Pass. Is it enough to cover the event? Uh, From my understanding is that normally, and you mentioned it, fans come in, fighters pay, their fans, their families buy tickets. That's what generates the revenue. Are these organizations going to be running really really thin or is that fight pass deal so good for cf you know cage fury fighting championships that they're going to be okay well listen i don't know the inner working details of of the deal they worked out because they were streaming before also cffc was so the way a promoter is listen you want to survive through this pandemic so you can get back to having shows and selling tickets Mm -hmm. so even listen as a promoter even if you're breaking even, 
or only losing a little bit of money or making a little bit of money, it's still worth it because you need to take care of the fighters. Without the fighters, we don't have anything. When I broke into this sport 15 years ago, that's the way my cousin, Felix Martinez, who is the originator, he's in the New Jersey Mixed Martial Arts Hall of Fame. We started Cage Fury Fighting Championships. When he got into it, we started this. He said, Bobby, I'm going to be a promoter. You know, we're going to we're going to we're going to do this. We didn't even have when we first started, we didn't even have a name for the promotion yet. We, he eventually, before we started, came up with Cage Fury Fighting Championships. And he was about, look, this is about the fighters. He said, yes, of course, everybody wants to make money, but I wanted the fighters to want to come and fight for us. I want to treat them well backstage. I want to have fresh fruit for them. I want to have plenty of water after the weigh-ins. I want to feed them. And because he knew he was an athlete his whole life. It's all about the fighters. Without the fighters, you have nothing, and which is, which was huge for me because as I've gone through the multiple roles that I've had over the 15 years, treating the fighters great and, and helping the fighters has always been my number one priority. Look, my MMA gig, yeah, I make a couple dollars, but it doesn't pay my bills. I've been a mailman for 30 years. I like giving back to the sport because I've never competed. I've never fought other than the celebrity boxing that you guys had talked about, but I love to help the fighters out. I've made so many friends and learned so much from the guys in this sport because, you know, mixed martial artists aren't like these dudes who are like, let's go fight on the street. I want to kick this guy's ass. People should have to realize 98% of these guys are humble, are great people and work hard. And clean livers. It's not like you would think like Kimbo Slice fighting off the street. These guys all work hard and most of them have regular jobs. And, uh, you know, like I said, when you go into a gym to train, if you go in there and thinking you're the badass and you're the toughest guy, (laughs) guess what, dude? You're going to be crying for mommy because the guys that are in there, that's not how it works in these in these MMA gyms. That's not how it is. They're family type atmospheres. They're in there together as a team. And it's if, if you go in there thinking, I'm going to go in there and kick somebody's ass, I got news for you. There's always somebody tougher and bigger than you. You're not going to be the biggest dog in the room. I mean, I've seen guys, 125-pounders, 135-pounders, that would wipe the floor with guys who are 200 pounds that don't know what they're doing. So that's one of the things that I love about the sport is, you know, is is the is that is the discipline is the camaraderie is the humbleness of fighters. And I've been in it and I just love giving back to them. And listen, I'm, I've been spoiled guys. I've been cage side for over a thousand fights. Wow. It's, it's incredible how lucky I have been to be blessed with, with the opportunities I've had. I mean, I could never go to a UFC event because I can't sit in the stands. I couldn't do it. I'm so spoiled. I'm so used to sitting right there at the cage that I just wouldn't enjoy it as much. And you know what? There's so many people I could I have to thank for it because, like I said, man, I am just so lucky and so blessed to have been close to the cage for so many great fights, met so many great people. Guys in the UFC, amateur fighters, everybody, man. The list goes on and on. I mean, I love the sport, man. I love the people in the sport, and uh, I really do. I mean, this week I I, I interviewed – hopefully I'm going to talk to Chris Dawkins, who's on the UFC card. He was kind of busy. He may or may not get back to me, but I have an interview coming out with Merab Defashvili, the machine, who is – kicking ass right now looking for his fifth win in a row that should might be out tonight on our website my 
you know, like I said, I just talked to Tim Dooling, who's fighting at CFFC, and I talked to his opponent, Bill Algio, and you know, it's it's just great, man. It's great right now. It's it's a fun job, and uh, I really enjoy it, man. It's the fighters are awesome people, man. And the women too. There's a lot of hot. There's a lot of, of hot, hot women's names that are on the rise in the area. I mean, I know you want to talk about some of the young fighters, but you know, it's not just for guys anymore. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. So your yeah. background then getting involved in this was just through was through your cousin getting involved in the origination of cage fury fighting championships that's how it started that's pretty amazing hey listen sometimes being in the right place at the right time and being lucky is a huge part of life and for yeah. me i was i was lucky when we started it it was basically going to be mostly family and friends and you know the first fight you know i was a grunt I was, I, he knew I wanted, I wanted to be a commentator. I wanted to comment on the fights. I was always into the team sports and I used to watch the UFC, but I always wanted to be the commentator. The first fight, he was like, oh, you got to do this. You got to, and listen, I just was happy to help and be there. The first fight, I did a lot of running around, picking fighters up at the airport. And for the fight event itself, I was backstage telling fighters, you know, you're up next, you're up next. The commentators were so bad that by the second event, I was sitting cage side <laughs> with, with UFC Hall of Famer Dan the Beast Severn commentating my second fight ever. So, like wow. I said, being in the right place at the right time and, you know, for the first several Cage Fury Fighting Championship events, I mean, I got to meet, hang out with Tito Ortiz, Boss Rutan, Kimbo Slice, uh, several other UFC fighters, you know, Evan Tanner, rest in peace, Got to spend time with him. And, you know, through that, I made a lot of connections. I started, you know, social media was getting bigger. Facebook was growing. I was meeting people. And then, unfortunately, Cage Fury fighting, we tried to get a little too big too soon We with the Kimbo Slice Ray Mercer pay-per-view. It yeah. was really, really expensive to do that. It didn't pay off on the back end. So Cage Fury fighting championships went out of business for a little while. So I was out of, you know, I had made some connections. I tried, you know, I did a few announcing gigs here and there without Cage Fury. And then I seen Damon Feldman posted on Facebook, you know, celebrity boxing. Who wants to fight Rodney King? And you know what? I said, you know what? I, I'm pretty popular in my town where I deliver mail. I think I could sell some tickets and raise some money for charity. And it's just something that I want to do. It, it sounded fun. So Damon being the salesman that he is, he got me all pumped up, you know, and he's making posters and getting me out there. Next thing you know, I have, I sold over a hundred tickets and I raised, I raised over a thousand dollars for the animal orphanage in Voorhees, which yeah. is where we always adopted our dogs from. So that was something I was proud of that I was able to do. And I got the, you know, got to meet even more people doing that. It was a lot of fun and got to get in there and actually compete a little bit, even though it was celebrity boxing. I trained for that. I trained with, with, with a professional fighter. I trained with Mr. Big Al Buck, who I met through Cage Fury fighting championships. I went to his gym and I trained with him. He trained me. He worked my corner. I took it seriously, you know, I, and cause Rodney King was six, four, I'm five, yeah, yeah. nine, you know? <laughs> so I, I got in shape for that fight. I had a lot of fun with it. I did lose the split decision, but it was, it was a blast. And like I said, I had a lot of people there. They took over the venue and I raised money for, like I said, a great charity. And from there, you know, I moved on to Damon's brother is David Feldman. 
David Feldman is big in the business. David right now is the president of the Bare Knuckles Fighting Championship. I don't know if you guys watch that, but yeah, he yeah. started he started XFA Extreme Fight Events. I went and I you know auditioned for him and I started doing commentating and going into the ring after the fight and interviewing the fighter, basically a Joe Rogan role on the regional level. Yeah, he got a he got a deal with Comcast Sportsnet, which was that the sports main, which is NBC sports now, but back yeah. in the day it was Comcast Sportsnet. So they would film it. And then the next week it would be on TV. So I was getting a lot of TV time. I learned a lot about it. I learned a lot about TV. I learned a lot about how it works, talking to people and being on there. I would watch myself every week and I would learn critique yourself. I'm my own sure. worst <laughs> and critique. I would watch myself. I would shake my head too much. And I, 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 I was able. He, David gave me a huge opportunity by doing that. I've done. I did like thirty-five or forty shows that were all on Comcast. So I learned by watching myself, and that's how I kind of like. And then from there, doing all those shows at, at Harris every. I was at Harris. I was say, that's the Harris that that yeah. was the Harris shows, right? I remember watching right. that. And that's time. and that's where With I GSM, met. Yeah. And that's where I met a lot of people. I met Eric Kowal who was the founder of my MMA news. And he started, he was getting in, he was starting his website covering regional fights. Mike Bickings, who came along later in the, in the game, Mike Bickings is the, the, the president and the of cage of uh, art of war cage fighting, which I do commentary for. I go into the ring. I promote, I do everything for them. I love that's That's my family. And yeah. then my MMA news is my other family. Also right now I'm lucky when it gets back, I'm doing the ring announcing for Brad Dalton at stellar fights in Delaware. Right. And then I also I do the post fight interviews and do media for for USKA Fight Sports and Gary Grant. Gary Grant is the gentleman who brings the cage to all these regional events. He builds cage, he rents them out. So by being involved and and you know meeting people, it's opened many doors for me. And you know get to talk to guys. And and, and I also like I said, I like to stress to people, man. It starts at the bottom. Yeah, I'll in, I'll interview a guy or a female fighting for the first time as an amateur. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I I that excites me too for people who really aren't experienced. But then then you see me talking that UFC guys. It doesn't matter to me. People that work hard. I respect the grind. I respect what they do to get into that cage. And even I'll even interview jujitsu guys, boxing. It don't matter to me. I just try to give back to the sport. And you know that's what makes me happy, man. I love it, man. So it's let, it's great that you have all that passion for it. Yeah, if you don't have a passion for something, it, it's it's not a job, right? It's fun. It, it's you've mentioned it numerous times. It's fun, fun, fun. When when you have when you have that passion, it's not a job. Let's get into let's go back into the regional MMA game. So we touched on Cage Fury. We're in the Northeast. We're all we're all of us are in New Jersey. We're all in the same town. And we're all sitting here talking to each other on Zoom because, you know, all the craziness that's going on. What, if anything, can it, these promotions do? The Ring of Combats, the Art of, you know, Art of War Cage Fighting, Stellar Fights. Can, you, can they, and do you see a, a scenario where they can actually run shows with fans uh, in the next, before we start getting too cold here, I guess in the next six to eight weeks to kind of recoup some of the things they've lost? Well, I asked, first of all... It takes a lot longer than that to set up an event. It really does with fighters and medicals right. and things like that. You and fighters being in camp, you really need two months minimum. And that's even a little bit mm -hmm. of a rush. I think right now, regionally, 
at the end of the year or next year is going to be the earliest, unfortunately, unless you have a really strong streaming deal where you can do it without fans. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't see any fights happening the rest of 2020. I mean, Murphy in, in New Jersey, he's threatening people with his, his power hungry attitude saying he's going to shut bars down again. I mean, until you let these promoters have events where to, because listen, you're, you you don't want to, like I said, you don't want to lose money. You don't want to go and have an event and right. lose 10, 15, 20,000, you know, and I know the promoters that I work with they're they would be fine with breaking even just so that we could continue to move on. But unless you have the regional, unless you have that, that streaming deal, it's going to be difficult. Hopefully early in 2021. I know some people are still holding out for, for late 2020 with a diminished capacity, maybe 25 or, or 50% of fans it's going to be difficult, but like I said, hopefully, you know, 2021, we get back to normal and, and start having shows, man, because I, like I said, the fighters are missing out on opportunity. Now, listen, if you're 20 or 21 or 22, you miss a year, it's no big deal. But when you're a fighter, if you're 26, 27, 28 years old, you're missing an entire year of opportunity, not just to make money, but to get your name out there to possibly make it to the UFC. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough proposition. And like I said, the younger guys should be okay with the year off, but you know, other guys take a guy like you were talking to a couple of weeks ago, my good friend, Lenny, the gorilla Rufati, Lenny, I think Lenny's four and two. He should have two more fights right now. He could be yeah. six and two and he could yeah. be getting the call for, for, for the contender series. Yeah. But because he's still only – he's missed an opportunity probably. Lenny was fighting every three months. Lenny fought four or five times last year. Lenny would fight, take a week or two off, be right back in camp because Lenny's a smart guy. He knows his age. He only has so much of a lifespan to fight. And now he's losing out on that opportunity because, like I said, he could have two more wins. He could be six yeah. and two. He could be getting yeah. his opportunity. And that sucks. It really does for guys like that. But, you know, the younger guys should be okay. Like I said, Lenny, listen, Lenny, Lenny would fight anybody, man. He, I'm hoping he gets a call. Florida's having uh, an event where my buddy Frankie Buenafuente's fighting. I seen Island fight. So there is some in other states that are having some events and I'm hoping that, you know, some of these local guys, another, listen, one of the rising stars in the area, Andre Petrosky, five and oh monster UFC talent. Love the guy to death. He's another guy that is looking for a fight. He wants to fight. I mean, he may have to go out of state to fight. He's fought locally his yeah. whole career. So guys, guys that want to fight may have to, you know, they have to look out of state and, and travel for, uh, you know, for the time being until we can get past this mess. Hey, Bob, how often, um, how often do a lot of the local fighters switch promotions in a sense? So like, obviously this is hypothetical. Like if Lenny, who's been fighting a ring of combat goes over to cage fury, things of that nature, does that affect them negatively trying to get booked in all the different organizations locally? Well, I don't want to bad mouth any of the promotions, of but, there is a, there, but there is a promotion that, you know, is a, a and I won't even name them, but they do get their panties in a bunch if you fight for somebody else. Gotcha. I'm just a believer in and listen, I I tell fighters all the time, don't sign anything more than a one fight deal. Because yeah. what happens yeah. is if you do that, you lose control of your own career. Let me give you a scenario. Because it's happened. It's it's happened to fighters. I've seen it happen firsthand. I've talked to my to friends and fighters. Say you 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 sign a three fight contract, okay? 
And the week of your fight, your opponent gets hurt, gets sick. The fight is off. You sold all these tickets. Okay. Yeah. You're screwed. They can't find the replacement for you. But two weeks down the road, ring ring of combat or art of war cage fighting. Hey, how about taking this? We got a fight for you. You're like, oh, hell yeah. I've been training. I'm in camp. But you're on the contract to this other promotion and they won't approve it. So yeah. that's why as a fighter, you should always be an independent contractor unless they're going to guarantee you money, which they don't do. And th- most promotions want you to sell a minimum of tickets because they don't mm-hmm. want to lose money on your fight. And that's why Pennsylvania is pretty cool, guys. I didn't know if you knew this, but in New Jersey, you either have to have all amateur cards or all pro cards. In Pennsylvania, it's com- it's pro-am. So what you can do is you can have seven, eight, nine, ten amateur fights that don't cost you any money. Because yeah. you're not paying those fighters. They're yeah. selling tickets. You're splitting the money. They're bringing people in. And then you have your pro fighters that you have to pay. So in Pennsylvania, it's a little bit easier because you're not paying everybody on the card. Now, when you're in New Jersey and you're going to have at least seven or eight pro fights, everybody's getting a paycheck. Yeah. So it's that's why Pennsylvania is a little bit, is a little bit easier because you don't have to have all pros on the card. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Uh, you know, the not having all pros in the car. The amateur game in the area really seems to be step well before all this stepping stepping up, becoming more more well known. Uh, is that just marketing by guys, or maybe it's what you just said? Is that I, I guess I never really paid too much attention to it, but you get amateur guys fighting on pro cards. It gives them that 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 ability to go out there and do their thing. I, I've seen more people saying I have an amateur fight coming up where it's like, wow, and selling tickets and everything than I have in a long, long time, if ever. It used to be the burner fights that you would go down to the uh, old MMA gym on Old Cuthbert Boulevard and five bucks for to watch a two-round fight, guys beating each other up. But this is legit. Well, listen, when, when you're talking about amateur fights, you're not just talking about people that are two and six or, you know, one win and four losses to become a pro. You most got, listen, unless you're like, have a, like a real collegiate wrestling background, or you're like, have a huge jujitsu black, black belt and, and your background, you're going to fight six, eight, nine amateur fights. So now if you're a good fighter, you might be five and oh, six and oh, as an amateur. So now you're getting, they're high level guys. So you some of the best fights I've ever seen are amateur fights. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and those guys all have followings, and, and it's important for, for everybody that's getting into the sport. I tell them when they're young, I try to point them in the right direction. I said, you know, get yourself out there on social media. Get your name out there because promoters are going to want you to sell tickets. You can't just get on a card because you're a great fighter regionally. It doesn't work that way because promoters don't want to lose money. If you're a fighter and you sell five tickets, ten tickets – it doesn't matter how good you are because you're going to cost the promoter money. Unfortunately, that's part of the game. That's part of the business. You can't just worry about fighting as a fighter. You do have to sell tickets and, and amateurs, like I said, so so now you're seeing, like you said, amateurs are promoting themselves on social media. They're trying to, you know, get a following. You're getting guys, you know, 
amateur fight. They have t amateur titles. So you do have some high quality amateurs fighting. So that's why I think it's, it's, and let me talk to you about a few amateurs in the area because there's some really amazing fighters who are getting ready to turn pro. Let's start with the women. Okay. Devin Estes at a 302 BJJ. Listen, she has been so unlucky because of, of people falling off of getting injured or whatever, but this this young lady is a killer, man. Let me tell you something mm. right now. She's ready to make her pro debut, and uh, she's she's an, she's actually an instructor at 302 BJJ in Delaware. So Devin Estes is an amateur, ready to go pro female. You're going to hear about her. Another one, another young female is Bang Bang Sandy Chang, who is the Art of War <laughs> champion. She's also real close to making her pro debut, and she's another mm. popular fighter. And one other female I want to shout out, Adam Martinez, BJJ in Northeast Philly, and she's 2-0, and oh, and she fought twice at Combate Americas, which is a Latin American yeah. promotion. Decida mm -hmm. Adames, who's 2-0, and oh, and she was supposed to have her third fight for them, but it was recently postponed. That girl's going to be in the UFC, trust me. That, she to me, she's the best female prospect that the city has ever had, and she is awesome let me tell you something she's just a great person but she's also skilled everywhere tough as nails big heart remember write that name down guys Crisida adames she is she's she's <laughs> gonna be she's she's a terror man i love that girl love watching her fight and uh really good person over there some other younger guys amateurs let's see who are we talking about there's 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 so many man there just is um Drew Dixon, who fought for us, who's who's an amateur. He's from Ohio, but he fights over here in Pennsylvania a lot. He's tough. We got we got um, Anthony Cachera, who's in, in the same weight class. There's just I can't even like tell you how many great amateurs are are in the area. And like mm. you said, it's more and more popular right now. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the things I got to ask you, so you're excited. I can tell. We can see your, your energy you have for it. The kind of the rule of thumb, the journalist rule of thumb is like no cheering from the press box, right? You, you, but at the same time, you have to be invested in these fighters. Who, who are some of the favorites that you've had, that you've covered, who have maybe gone on to bigger and better things? Man, both of these guys that are fighting each other on Thursday night, Bill Algio, and Tim Dooling. I've been with those guys. I've been with Bill Algio since he was an amateur. I've been with Tim Dooling since his pro debut. I love both of those guys. And listen, the, the thing about it is I don't just love them as fighters. These guys are my friends, man. They're friends for life, man. It's really hard for me when I have two friends fighting. It's, it's really difficult. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but I, I have also a really soft spot for the guys over at Martinez BJJ because Will Martinez has been so good to me. I don't even need to call him and get approval. I can go in there whenever I want, talk to his fighters, get interviews. He's like, dude, don't even call. Just come in. And the Dawkus brothers who were both – this great news, Chris and Kyle. Kyle lost his debut, but let me tell you something. Yeah. He took on a tough dude, and he had the guy locked up in the third round. He lost, but he's he's dangerous at middleweight, and his brother's making his UFC debut this week, Chris Dawkus, and he's a heavyweight, and let me tell you something. He knocks people out, so it, it like you said, it is hard for me. Even guy like Merab, this Vashvili, guys who I have been with and, and, and interviewed six, seven, eight times and you become friends with them. Like you said, you have to try to stay neutral, but 
you know, sometimes I can't do it, man. Sometimes it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's my friend. I can't help myself sometimes, but I do as best I can to remain neutral. And especially if I'm writing up a fight, you know, you got to tell both sides of the story, be honest. Yeah. And, you know, we do like, even though they do judge the, the, the fights themselves, when I'm, you know, doing a recap, I'll judge the fight as an, you know, as, as, as a, you know, a media guy. And I, I be on, I'm honest, you know, you gotta be, man. You have to keep your integrity in, in the sport. But I have to admit, sometimes I do show a little bit of favoritism, cheering for certain guys, and uh, that's how it is, man. You know, I can't, I can't help it. But I'd say ninety percent of the time, I'm able to uh, stay neutral. It's, it's, you know, it's like your kid being out there or your little brother, man. I, right. You know, you, you you develop a bond with these people. Some of these fighters, I've, de- I, you know, I've been to their gym, talked to them, you know, six, eight, nine, ten times. Now you're looking at guys. Listen. Dawkins brothers, I, I became friends with them when they were amateur fighters, right? Now they're yeah. both in the UFC, man. These are guys that I've been with for six, seven, eight fights, man. It's hard for me, especially being the regional guy. I mean, you just develop that relationship with those guys. But I listen, I do the best I can. But honestly, sometimes I, I can't help myself, man. I'll cheer. I'll throw the fist in the air. I'll scream. It, it happens, man. Yeah. So uh, Merab has a really tough, you know, we wanted to get your thoughts on a few of the UFC 252 fights. And Merab has a really tough fight against John Dotson. What are your thoughts on that matchup? Listen, I, John Dodson is a smart, savvy fighter. Okay. He better be on his horse the entire fight. Yeah. He does not want to get involved in the clinch because Merab has fought six times in the UFC, guys, six times. He already has the record with 51 takedowns in the in that weight class at, after six fights. He is, I call him the Khabib of the 135-pound weight class. He yeah. can take anybody down. But if you watched his last couple of fights, his striking has consistently improved. He's using his striking to help him get in and get the takedowns easier. And look at his team. Marab is training at Saralongo. He's training with Al Iaquinta, yeah. Al Jermaine Sterling, who is one of the top two or three hundred and thirty-five pounders in the world. He's training with Vilson Jadroni, who's on the Olympic team wrestler. He's training with the Ring of Combat champion Dennis Bazukia, who's another guy you guys need to remember. He's four and zero. I I'm, I can't. Re- he he's could be on the contender series soon. I I'm not sure. I'm not. Allowed to, uh, uh, to say anything. Announce, I'm hoping an announcement comes gotcha. soon. Gotcha. Yeah. But he's Merab trains with. I think they're one of the best teams in the entire country, not just regionally. And he's going to be. Pro- he's a problem for anybody. Yeah. He's a problem for anybody because his skill set is improving everywhere, and he can already take everybody down. He's proven it. Dodson is going to have to stay on the outside and use his speed and kind of like Mayweather. He's going to have to be, if he wants to compete this fight with Merab, he's going to have to basically fight like Mayweather does boxing. He's going to have to stay away, go in and try to score with some combinations, get out of there. Because if he gets up against the cage with Merab or Merab gets him in the clinch, he's going to go down. So I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm Merab to me is on the rise. John is a little bit coming on on a downswing. Yeah, I, I see Merab winning this fight pretty easily, but 
It's a fight. Anything can happen. John Donson is a savvy veteran. He's always in shape, very fast, which is pr probably for me the only advantage he has in this fight is the speed because he used to be a 125 pounder. So mm. he's a little faster than Merab, but I'll give Merab the edge every place else. And uh, I think Merab is, is, is destined for big things. I mean, this guy, like I said, he's and he's another guy that, that I've been with. I was there the night where he won by a spectacular spinning back fist, and then UFC signed him after that. So yeah. that is a guy right there that is definitely on the rise. We're all going to be watching him on pay-per-view events for the next next few years. I know Brett is a big fan of his. Um, the spinning back fist, I mean, that's underrated. Well, we, what do we, we, we were discussing this earlier today because for the main – uh, in the fight program that drops on podcast form, what seven only seven finishes in UFC history have come via the spinning back fist, including the one last weekend. It, it was that seven. It, I, I heard Paul Felder, who has Vic has, has won, yeah, but yeah. I thought he said, I thought he said that was the eighth, but it might have been the okay. seven. But like you said, seven or eight in how many fights? So it's, so it's very rare yeah, to finish a fight Felder, with that. Felder going nuts and being all excited about the whole <laughs> thing. Uh, it, it, it was good. Let's talk about the main event here a little bit. How do you view this? Uh, my, my co-host here says that the winner of this one, uh, the Stipe Cormier fight, is going to be considered perhaps the greatest heavyweight of all time. Do you agree or disagree with that? I mean, it's it, I, to me, it's always different. I think you go by eras and generations, but it, it's hard to debate that these two are, are the tops right now. I can't argue with that. I think I have to agree with that. I really do. I mean, Stipe held the, held the title for the longest of any heavyweight, okay? And listen, Daniel Cormier is all, both of these guys are UFC Hall of Famers. Okay. Yeah. And I do believe whoever wins this fight, you could make an argument, are the greatest heavyweight of all time in UFC history. Listen, Cain Velasquez, I thought, had the talent to do that, but he couldn't stay healthy. Yeah. I'll put these two up against anybody. And as far as my take on this fight, you know, when guys announce it's their last fight and they're going to retire, you know, to me, I'll take the other guy. I'll take Stepe. I mean, Cormier already said this is his last fight. I mean, to me, that might make you – not saying it all the time, but to me, you can lose an edge when you're – because I think you should take one fight at a time. And to me, he's talking about, well, this is going to be my last fight, and then I'm retiring. So – and and as being a little bit greedy for caring about the sport, I don't want the champion to win and then retire. Right, right. I, yeah. I want whoever wins to keep fighting as the champion. So I'm going to pull for Stepe. I respect both of them. I think they're both awesome. Also, they've both been awesome for the sport. And how can you not love Stepe, who's a firefighter and and and, yeah. and, and a fighter? Daniel Cormier is, is a tremendous announcer and commentator and has been great for the sport, a great role model, good family man. I love him too. So it's it's a great fight. I can't argue with Brett. I I. I think I agree with that with Brett's opinion. Whoever wins this fight, you make the argument is the greatest heavyweight in UFC history. That's a legit argument that I will agree with Brett on that 100%. It's a shame what you mentioned with Cain Velasquez, though, because from a talent perspective, he definitely had it. And, and then obviously there was the miscalculation with training, not at altitude in Mexico City against Fabricio Verdum, who he, he's almost in the consideration, too. I mean, the guy submitted Velasquez, Nagara, and Fedor. So, yeah, it should be a yeah. great match. Looking forward to it. It is. It, it definitely should be a great. Listen, I hope it's a five round 
war. You know, yeah. I always get disappointed. Like the other night I watched Bellator and, you know, I, I'm disappointed when I say, I mean, yeah, you can see a spectacular knockout by Michael Chandler over Benson Henderson, but you know, I want to say that's nice that we've seen a great knockout, but I would rather see an epic fight. You know what I mean? That's what I'm hoping for. So I got a couple questions. We usually post this on our Facebook at, at in the flight in the flight show on Facebook, but I switched this up a little bit and I went to 76th street, which is a fantastic group on Facebook. Uh, that is ran by yours truly there. And I got a question, so I got a couple here. I'm actually a little disappointed that we didn't get more, but I guess people didn't want to didn't want to throw jabs. Neil Ivanov, uh, are you related to Jay Maloney by any chance? <laughs> you know what? That's funny. Well, you know what happened was I got I got suspended on the yeah uh, yeah I got I and it, and it I got a seven day suspension and you know I love my Facebook so I had to create a burner. It's the first time I ever did it. I had to create a burner account and Jay is my middle name so. It was just easy to go with Jay Maloney and uh, I was going to say you know, I saw Jay he's Maloney. He's not as good looking as me. I'm, he's, uh, he's the evil twin. <laughs> Jay Maloney's out on the street corners all over Cherry Hill, New Jersey, selling pickles <laughs> and peppers and all these different <laughs> things. Uh, Todd Todd D wants to know who is on your Mount Rushmore for MMA. Okay, well, my Mount Rushmore, I'll start you know with Hoist Gracie. Hoist Gracie, when I first started watching the sport, he's in out there in the gay. He's fighting guys that are much bigger than him, you know, beating heavyweights. And to me, Hoist Gracie is, you know, he's one of the guys who helped build the UFC. I, I always loved watching him. Listen, you're going to get in the cage and fight with somebody that's 40 or 50 pounds heavier and you're going to choke him out. Hoist Gracie, to me, has to be on there. I think the greatest of all time is John Jones. I know people, some people don't like that because of, you know, the things that have happened outside of the cage, but John Jones for me is he's the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. I got a chance to meet John Jones like a week after he won the title for the first time I was working at an amateur show in New Jersey and he was there working a corner for an amateur fighter. And this mm. is before, you know, he was real popular. I mean, he just won the yeah. title and he was a great guy, took a picture with him and he was nice to everybody. But, you know, he's to me, he's the goat. So we got Hoist Gracie, we got John Jones, and there's so many other guys I would love to put on there. I think we have to put George St. Pierre on there. You know, this is another guy who who, who is in the goat conversation. Uh, you know, he retired, unfortunately. I, mean, I know a lot of people think he may come back to fight Khabib. And I have to put Khabib as the other one on there. Khabib's never lost. There's something about guys that, that grow up like he did, not in the United States. Listen, this country, a lot of people are spoiled. You know, if you're a great athlete, you get a little bit pampered. It wasn't like that for him, guys. He grew up struggling. Yeah. You know, he grew up with a, a rough dad and wrestling bears and it's, yeah. it's just a different <laughs> lifestyle like fighting for him was more survival like if you if you lose over here okay you're an american there's it was almost like you can't lose when you're him and he's undefeated he's the champ you got to have khabib so we got i got hoist gracie i got john jones george st pierre and khabib the Medoff. that's my that's my mount rushmore it's a solid mount rushmore do you really think Khabib is going – the rumor is two fights and he's done. You get the winning, assuming he wins, 30-0, and 0, and, and he's going he's gonna to retire. Do you really see that being something that could occur that you think would, would happen? Or is he just 
very passionate about this game. It seems like he is, and we're far away. I mean, it's hard to tell, but I, I see a young fighter, and granted, he's gone through some tough times recently. Two fights, that's a year away. I, I, I'd be floored to see him step away. First of all, I hate it when guys talk like that. Take one fight at a time. After that fight, take some time off beside before you decide what you're going to do for your future. He should just be thinking, you know, as a fighter, you should be taking one fighter and one opponent at a time. You shouldn't even be thinking like that. I hate that he does that, but he, I guess he deserves, earns the right to. And let's talk about, I, th I could see it happening. And there's a couple of reasons. Number one, he just lost his father and that could be a reason he said it. Maybe he won't do it, but also where he lives, he's making a lot of money. The cost of living where he lives, he had, he makes say, say he makes two million. For us in the United States where he lives, that's like fifteen million. So yeah. he, he he doesn't need. He lives a simple life. He's not driving around and and you know Maseratis, and you don't see him Conor McGregor and all around throwing money around doing that. He uh, lives at home in his in his country, and I'm not sure if it's Russia or Kazakhstan, one of those you know countries that he that he lives in. So I could see him doing it. Like I said, because he's going to have enough. He already is rich. He's making a lot of money. He has, you know, he has the ability to, to not fight if he doesn't want to. It's going to be whether he wants to or not, because we all know he can. He can keep fighting. And, uh, you know, I could see it happening. I would be sad if it happens. I hope it doesn't happen. But it could happen. I mean, there's there's a lot of guys I would love to see him still fight. I would love to see him fight Michael Chandler. I'd love to see him fight. Dustin Poirier, I love to see him fight everybody. All these guys. There's a lot of guys at 155, even if he went up to 170, that he could fight and make a lot of money. But like I said, he knows his body. 30 fights. Maybe he, maybe he doesn't want to do it anymore. I think you gotta love the. Listen, you either gotta love the fight, love the sport to keep fighting, or you gotta do it for the money. There's really, yeah. you know, two things. And you know, if he if he's not doing it for the money, he's really gotta love it. Does he still love it now that his father died? He's seeing what's going on with the virus. I don't know, man. I, I, I love to see him stay around for a while and build his legacy. We're going to wrap this up. Where can everybody find you on the net? You can find me on Facebook, Bob Maloney. My name, B-O-B-M-E-L-O-N-I. I'm on uh, Instagram, B Maloney, my MMA news. And you can always go to mymmanews.com and follow us on there. On our website, we have all social media pages. You can see my stories and uh you know, hit me up. Um, I always like I said, any any young fighter, old fighter, you need some media. I tell guys, hey, look, let me tell your story. This is one. Every fight is a chapter. So with Lenny, I'm on like chapter seven with Lenny. He's had six fights. We're heading to chapter seven for Lenny Rafati's next fight. And I'm always willing to uh, lend, lend a hand gives any kind of advice from the outside, from the media, for somebody who's been in the business for over 15 years or, you know, whatever, man. I, like I said, I look, I love people that love the sport like I do. I'm always willing to help. Absolutely. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your enthusiasm for the sport and be safe and we'll see you down the road. Thanks.